0: I'm pretty sure just before the show started, Jenks is like,
1: I'm going to fiddle with this. I'm going to do that. Fiddled with absolutely nothing for the record. In fact, I said to uh, AJ one hour ago, I think you should get onto the system, make sure everything's all good so we're not uh, dealing with it at the last second. And in fact, he did. But still... The technical issues arose. With thirteen seconds left, Jenks is like, yeah, yeah, explaining yeah, <laughs> the boom. Let's turn the lights on. I'm like, but, settle down, relax. But seriously, welcome on board everyone yep. to a, another episode of Card Authority Australia. Hello, everyone.
0: Hello, everyone. Oh, Mitch, G'day, Wade,
1: Pete, Pete, Don. Mason. Kane. Big shout out to young Mason Jack with and Robert. Robert. yep. Wado, how you doing? Good day, Don. Yeah. Big man from over a band. Yep. So they hit a big milestone with their UFC page. I think they reached a peak membership level or something like that. So Excellent. Positions going on. Very cool.
0: Excellent. And we've got a very special guest in the studio today. Yeah, Matusa's
1: here with us. The Minx. There's the Minx. Jack out of the way. Oh. That was just my leg on the table. but Wow. Let's not worry about that. Well, it's all happening. G'day, Daniel.
0: How are you? Peace. Peace. Good to see you. Troy. Hello, Solly. Troy. Hey, Solly. All, all right. right. Well, look, uh, thank you very much, as always, to join us at Card Authority. It's always fun to be here on Hump Day. Lots of things going on. We're not going to talk about Richmond tonight. Um, well, hopefully not too much. Yeah, the mix is here. Mix, say hello to them. Yeah. Hey, everyone? Yep. So the mix is in here just, uh, well, I don't know. He's like a work experience kid. He just wants to be <laughs> everywhere. That's great. We love him. But, uh, look, it's been really, really big a couple of weeks since we've last spoken to you. Obviously, um, it's fair to say the prestige frenzy or mania has probably dropped down a little bit yeah but in turn what we've actually seen is a new kind of frenzy and demand on all
1: sorts across across the board and all sorts of stuff and um it's the, the the frenzy around a new release definitely lasted longer than what it has in the past like yep harder longer like just bigger normally when when a new release would taper off after one or two weeks i feel like this one was Good just offense. kicking really hard for like a month. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. People seem to have their sets done. Yep. And normally what you would start hey, to see historically would be like a pause between releases. Yep. People starting to replenish their bank accounts, yep. sort through their cards, work everything out. But what we're seeing at the moment is... I think there's just so much new participation taking place. There is just demand pretty much across the board yep. for previous releases, really particular types of cards as well. Yep. Um. It's it's, it, it's really interesting what's going on at the moment, and it just shows the real strength of what's going on with AFL cards, especially which is really in contrast to what's going on with a lot of other sports cards at the moment yep. and the dip that they're taking. So. Well, look, we've
0: obviously touched on a few times, not only with this release,
1: but in the past that the way now
0: that the direction is going, that more stock is getting hands of the collectors. And this is a little bit to do with SEC, yep. but also the way selected distributing product, I guess, the way direct people to are consumer. consuming it as well. Because it's a managed. It's, it's, it's getting so consumed faster, faster and harder. Faster. That's right. More cards are out there for the people to collect their sets. So yep. people that are coming in are not only getting their hands on boxes, whereas in the past they're sitting in a warehouse somewhere or yeah, an and office. And you might have
1: taken three, so people are looking three for six more months. things to do. And it's also I think that that there is a a fear, I suppose you could call it, and it's it's a realised fear as well. It's it's legitimate that if you don't get the cards you need early, especially if you're after particular numbers, um, you 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 may not get them at all just because you're now competing against so many other other people in the well, hobby I, as well. I like, definitely know
0: some we talked about this a little bit. It felt like in the first week well, the first four to five days, yeah, there were infinite jumper numbers and low numbers and all that kind of stuff around. And
1: now, oh, you can't they're find anyway. It's they're gone. 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 If you're trying to chase those sorts of sets, they are absolutely well, what, gone. How much stock do you reckon is actually out there still, like sealed?
0: Um, I would say what is this? So there's 700 cases. I would be shocked if there's a hundred. Yeah, I'd be I'd be shocked if there's 15% that isn't open.
1: Yeah I, yeah, I was going to say, I can't imagine there would be more than 10 or 15% max. Yeah, yeah, yeah still, absolutely. Still out there sealed. Yeah. Um, What does Wadey say? I reckon prices are lowering. Uh, here's the thing with, with Prestige. Oh, I'll put that up on the screen, yeah. obviously, because obviously people are listening so to us w- w- on Spotify We're seeing something a bit different, Wade. So, like, there's certainly... So, on,
0: let me just read the, yeah. the question. So, Wade asks, I reckon prices are lowering because there's so much stock opened and you can
1: typically, typically find what you need. What do you think? I think it's certain cards which are printed in a higher quantity are lowering, but any cards that are desirable players or desirable teams are becoming really hard to find and it's having the opposite effect. They're going up significantly in value. Look at the cost of greens right now compared to where they were three weeks ago and also the availability of the greens. They're not around. Yeah, they're not around. And it's also happening with the the vote leaders as well. Probably Wade, I suppose. Probably you're predominantly collecting GWS, so GWS is a little bit of an outlier because it doesn't have as much of a collector base, and therefore, after that frenzy of the initial collectors getting their sets done, you've now got all the excess GWS on the market, and I would say the same for teams like Gold Coast and you know, there's a few, there's a but, few of them, but it's it's probably yeah. you know it's to a lesser extent now than what it was in the past with some of those teams like. A year ago, Fremantle would have had plenty of excess at this point. Right now, I don't think they do. Brisbane seems to be in the same boat this time around as well. And then you switch it up to those higher sides, to the you know the more top-tier sides in terms of the, the fan base and collector base, and the, the cards are pretty much unavailable. Like well, as Asher just
0: as said, their prices are lowering because most of the cards on the market at the moment are from lesser that, that's, teams. That's, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and I can certainly speak from what we've looked at with um through our eBay account that obviously has a, a wide range of teams. Yeah, I'm getting tons of offers for Brisbane. Yeah, you know, whereas I think twelve months ago or eighteen months ago, uh, you it would you, sit there for 12 you could or buy months, your Brisbane yeah, cards whatever you want. Yeah, that's right, whenever and, you want. And it would be interesting, obviously, if you're still on the line, Wade, about whether and I guess it's a small sample size because you're you're still relatively new, but I wonder if any GWS collectors from twelve months ago are finding it the same or harder to get those cards yeah. this year cuz i would have to think it is a little bit more harder
1: i think for all teams across the board because yep. you you not only got team set collectors but you've got new master set collectors that have emerged Absolutely. or you've got older master set collectors who have come back into the market yep. and come
0: back into the hobby again actually another question here from aj gribbs damn no saints greens <laughs> around for some it's reason it's not me it's not me but I, um, it, yeah I, I look gribbler i'm i'm not too sure but um if you i mean yeah, yeah no, just, maybe no, no, it, no, it, it so. does
1: raise something interesting which uh which i have mentioned to a couple of people is that you know it's no secret that i like to collect multiples of certain things what? however this year it's i've got 20 to 25 percent of the volume of what i was able to get last year of the series in terms of so if i got you know if i got 10 10 cards of a particular player last year i'm only getting two to three of them this year but it's essentially costing me the same price is what I spent in total. But, in but I think, last I think, think it's so happening,
0: it's happening across other teams. And yeah. so look, Solly's just said find a Chad Wingard Green. Impossible. And he's obviously a traditionally a very soft yeah. seller. And I think you're finding that across multiple players. There seems to be a player yeah. from every team. Yeah. And look, we can always exclude Richmond. And I guess Collingwood to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there seems to be a player, and at least actually, one player from every team. Squid's just actually nailed it right on the head there. So Petrarca from Melbourne, Sloan from Adelaide, Rosie from Port, Walsh, Bont, Cripps, Steele. And, I mean, I would add Ben King from Gold Coast. Uh, the,
1: the, you know, the list, the the list, list is, goes on. It goes on. Yeah. The conversation, and I'm sure. Nick Nat. We're having the conversation with people who are coming through our storefront or people who we're chatting to online, which yeah. I think is a reflection yeah,
0: well, of... Well, you know that then. I, yeah. think, I think
1: it's a reflection of the broader conversations going on in the hobby at the moment. If we're talking about it with other people, the fact that the trends at the moment are... Every single team has at least one player being bulk collected. Yep. And there are multiple people collecting low numbers. Yeah. Dangerous there are multiple the well. bulk. There are multiple yep. people doing multiples. It's multiples on multiples. The cards are numbered to 60. What everyone in the hobbies talked about since last year about these greens numbered to 60 over a period of time will become very scarce. Yep. That That period of time is just compressing closer and closer as more and more people come through. It's just the period's getting tighter. So instead of taking six months for the card to go from $30 to $100, it's now opening at $50 and going to $200 in three to four weeks, and then it's gone.
0: Yeah, and look, Gribbs has just said that basically in his comment as well. It's a spot on there. Mid-release of Prestige 2020 was when the hobby skyrocketed. Greens from 2020, early on, you could get for $20 to $30. Didn't take long for them to rise exactly. quickly. Exactly, spot on. And we've certainly noticed across a lot of teams, as you just said, the demands for greens. And we've been crying out this for ages. Yeah. Cards numbered to 60. And, to the, you know, it's no secret. We've talked to the Brownlow vote getters from the last Brown, year. Brownlow leaders this they're year. They're
1: numbered to 80. It's the same People, as a the footy finance. The, the realisation is isn't there with respect to their numbers. And as a result of that, they may still be available now, some of them. But the reality is, after a period of time, they dry up. Yep, All you need is a total of 80 collector, you know, 80 people to only be able to have one each of of each of those cards. You know what I mean? So once you combine wow. team collectors, subset collectors, and then master set collectors, yep. Plus your people who are doing multiples of particular plays and stuff, cards number to 80 that they they disappear very quickly. I still, you know, this is not an attempt to inflate the value of the card. I very openly say. I'd buy those cards for St Kilda, more than one of them, at when they're at least thirty dollar price points and stuff. Cause I truly believe in two years' time you won't be able to find any of them for under a hundred dollars. They won't exist and they'll probably be a lot and more. I, than that.
0: And I think so, and look, Hayden, you just made a good point, which I'll get to in a second. But we talk about bulk collecting. Bulk collecting is not literally someone going and getting thirty out of no, the sixty. No. But say more than one, but someone like me, I have two sets, and you know, enough people know that I've got a Richmond set, yeah, and I've got a Dusty set. So, unfortunately, for me, I need to get two of every Dusty card. Yeah, so suddenly, if you're talking marquees or greens you're taking away 5% of the production Immediately. run. Immediately. That's right. And there's a lot
1: of people who are doing the same thing. Absolutely. And that's the thing. And as much as it can be frustrating sometimes that it's hard to get cards, so good. it's, so, a, it's a reflection. We wouldn't be able to have access to the cards if the strength of the hobby wasn't there because the publishers wouldn't absolutely. be able to produce them. So Yeah, and so, look, Hayden's asked a ripper question here.
0: <clears throat> Why, then, is a green harder to get than marquees when marquees are numbered to 40 and they're going for more than marquees? So, I'll, my take on this, you might have a different yeah. view, is that there's probably a perception because everyone that opens a box is getting at least one green. Yeah. So they think, I'll just hang on to that. Whereas if you're getting a marquee and you're lucky enough to hit a marquee, you're looking to probably turn it over. Turn it over yeah. so you can either get more boxes or more cards or whatever. And in certain cases, you know, before this year, there were not many greens that were worth more than $400. So, uh, so there's
1: I multiples. Th- like. <clears throat> so I think the thing with greens is. There also needs to be a consideration that it's not just a team collector that collects the parallel sets. There's a lot of people that actually collect the full parallel set, yep. or they have a bunch of particular players they want that they really like. So explain that more. Yeah. So so you might you might collect St. Kilda, for example, yep. but you really like Bontempelli. Yep. So you might go do a Bontompelli rainbow or you may be a collector that you're a team collector but you also like that particular subset like you may be a dps set collector or overall seed collector whatever it is so you may be someone that did the full set last year of of parallels and therefore this year you want to continue that in in your collecting so as a result you're pulling those cards off the market really quickly and that's why you see some of the green prices escalate so high because yeah and also, we're in an era now where there's a lot of speculation going on. So people are, Absolutely. People are, are land banking cards, so to speak, in, in real estate terms. They are looking at players that they think will hold or have higher value well, 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 in the future. Let, let, let yeah. me hold
0: that thought, and Grib's just put up a good put there. And if you're collecting for two kids, etc., for a future investment for them, Absolutely. you're building that set. And, you know, obviously everyone knows Gribble is a St Kilda collector. If he's doing two sets of St Kilda greens, they're not moving at any time no. he's putting them away in for Correct. a draw for his kids to and, pick and, later and, and on and
1: that's and that's the, and that is again uh, one of the motivators of what drives up price yep. is availability and we we often talk about depth and what really is the depth of the market yep. and this is the big thing about comps and people understanding you know comparative pricing when you look at something like ebay well yes first port of call look at the the completed listings and the pricing however if you're then looking what's currently available on the market and there is nothing available on the market it's a representation that the demand is outstripping the level of supply and as a result the last completed comp is not necessarily spot on with what the value is because is the next person going to be prepared to sell it for that price
0: yeah and i don't even argue and jared i'm going to get to your question in a second i see that comps i think are obviously you know very big in the nba scene yeah um and they haven't really been as prevalent in AFL because I just don't think there's as many cards around to provide. But as you said, if someone buys, and we we said this very early on in one of our shows, if someone else sells a card for $50, and then a week later someone goes and buys it for $70, yeah. There's no reason why that card isn't going to be $80 or $90 next time because 100%. the card is no longer $50. But all
1: it takes is one person to come along as well to change the valuation of a certain type of card. The Petrarca Green is a probably really well-known example, example yeah. a modern example, the Petrarca Green. We had one we sold it first week for $110 or $120. Okay. A few more sold at that price. If you were to look up at that point in time, that was the comp value. Mm-hmm. Someone then decided to put one up at 400 bucks. It was the only one available. Someone came and purchased that at 400. Someone else yep. went at 450. It got purchased. All of a sudden, benchmarked up at 450, 500 dollars. However, all it takes is for someone to and, and, and several people who are collecting to decide that they don't want to pay that price. A seller then budges, comes down, and it can come down the other direction. But absolutely, it's the prices are, are constantly moving. As the demand something, grows, it's, as like anything, it's worth what someone is prepared to pay. Sure, sure, there's always these indicators that give you a guide, but at any given point in time, something is worth what someone's prepared to pay, especially if there's not much of it available.
0: Definitely. And look, Jared's asked a question here, and look, I'll, I'll answer and then you can answer too. Would you like to see numbers increase or stay the same, say greens to 100? Um, my answer is definitely not increase, but what I like is them creating new subsets. And clearly select um saw the demand for the parallel type of card last year yeah so instead of messing with the greens in the 60s and if you guys remember before the release of 21 prestige everyone's like i don't want the greens again the greens are silly why do they do it and they've gone nuts yeah but by bringing in the blues which are numbered to 125 yeah you then create a whole new chase of a card and it doesn't
1: devalue what totally. the green So I totally agree with AJ's position on this as well. However, playing devil's advocate and the, and the flip side to that position is, well, as the demand increases due to participation and, and more and more people want the same cards, yep. at what point does something become unattainable because there's not enough and, and turn someone off? from being a collector and wanting to collect. And it's a really interesting one. And it's funny that we're talking about this. And, and obviously this is coming out for those who are only listening and not watching. This is coming out of the comments at the moment from the, from the viewers who are raising these topics. But I was, uh, I was having a chat actually a couple of days ago with Sean Laffin, who's, who's, him and his brother run actually fast breaks. And we were talking exactly about this subject. And I, I was very strong of the opinion that dilution by increasing volume of print is, yep. is is what actually kills a product you yep. sean raised some really valid points with me was yes but at the same time there's so many new people collecting that if someone knows that they can't actually get something it turns them off and as i i have to acknowledge the i absolutely acknowledge that argument and i think and my counter argument to it was well I, I think we, they should be more subsets. Reintroduce either do more releases, more subsets, but maintain the same print quantity. But it still lends to the to the notion that if they do three more releases and they're still cards only numbered to sixty, does it still have? The, does it reach that tipping point or that critical mass at some yeah, point? It. And we've all you know we we always talked previously. You can't go below something number twenty five because then you start to alienate team set collectors. But yep. does the numbering actually need to increase? Is it a is it an actual proposition for the future if the participation continues to increase?
0: See, I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with that take. Yeah. Like, I think I look at it the same way as a football club membership, okay? Yeah. So there are, let's say... There's still the same amount of seats available. Well, hang on. There's yeah. 10,000 Richmond members that get guaranteed grand final tickets. Yeah. That membership's been sold out for three years, as I'm sure it is with Collingwood and Hawthorne a few others. If I can't get that membership, that doesn't mean I'm not going to go to the football and not support the team. I I, I, I might be annoyed that I can't get a grand final ticket or I'm going to have to line up for it or do something else. But we can't run with the philosophy where if I want Dusty Green's everyone wants dusty greens yeah we should all have them because then it just becomes well, it also takes away, and then it
1: takes away the competitive nature And I suppose, but it, that, it also takes away the chase too that's what i mean the competitive nature yeah. of the chase but the other big thing is here is for those who were around collecting cards in the late 80s early 90s and remember the the junk wax what was known or is known as the junk wax era and the big bust that happened it was on the basis that things were printed they were consumed and collected They kept increasing the quantity as the quantity increased the market inflated and then it hit a point and it burst and only did the market start to swing back around when they changed the modeling over the last couple of decades as to shorter print runs and i'm talking about international product here obviously and it happened with afl as well but you know shorter print runs but more frequency of the print runs so more more products and more different subsets and variations in those products. Yep. And it certainly seems to me the way that AFL is going as well. And I personally, I absolutely support that. I'd rather see more releases, different types of releases than just pumping the quantity up to 5 million cards per absolutely. run. But it's a happy yeah. balance. Yeah, you yeah. gotta find the balance. Yeah. That's right.
0: And look, I just wanna to touch on this question that Mario's answer. And look, I, I probably know who you're talking about Mario, but I won't say it obviously. How do you feel about a collector hoarding two to 300 greens from one club and leaving all other team set collectors with nothing? This does nothing for the hobby, in my opinion. Look, we've talked about this many times over the last couple of weeks. Um, and, look, I understand, obviously, Jenks, you'd like to get a few cards in your collection, but everyone has the same right to get the cards that we've talked about. And the same ability to get yeah, the same ability. They may not have the same means, yeah. but
1: they've got the same ability.
0: That's right. And, look, you know, is it annoying that a card you want to buy for $100 is suddenly $200 because they're all getting snapped up? Yeah. Sure. I'm sure there's plenty of Melbourne collectors out there that want a Petrarca Green that either didn't want to pay or couldn't afford to pay three or $400. But at the end of the day, if those cards are getting put up at a price and they're getting bought by a collector, well, I mean, it's an open market. So yeah. it, it, is it frustrating? Absolutely. But it gets back down to that point that I just made about the memberships that we all want grand final tickets, but yeah. there are only so many seats there. Yeah. Does it change my love or my desire for the game or watching the grand final? Yeah. Absolutely not. Do I want to be at the game? Yeah. Of course. But we're, we, we're all in this together. They're all on an open market. No yeah. one's, you know, except you that own select. <laughs> you know, everyone is actually <laughs> opening <laughs> packets, whereas you get a container it dropped at your up, house. Yeah. I've got a
1: separate print run with my own numbers. That's they're, right. They're in silver instead of gold. On the back. That's right.
0: But, you know, everyone has a, <laughs> the, the same access to cards. And, look, Mario, obviously, it's <laughs> frustrating. And, look, Mario is another fellow tiger collector like myself. And uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to get cards so I, I think
1: that key word probably around this is adaptability and the need to adapt to yeah. what's happening. And, again, it goes back to where we were at the top of the show 20 minutes ago is – the, the concern that if you don't get in early, you won't get what you want, so it needs to be a lesson for the future, is you yeah. know the demand is there, you know this is happening, whether it's because there's a million people in the marketplace or there's one person trying to get every single certain type of card. Well, if you know that's happening, then when the next release comes around, you should be there front and centre day one targeting whatever cards you want. And if then the thought is, well, I don't want to go day one because I don't want to pay the first set of asking prices, uh, I suppose it's that that position of, well, a week later, they just may not be there anymore. So you have to adjust your collecting style. As I have said to many people in the last few weeks myself, I've had to adjust my own style of collecting now based on how many saints collectors there are out there. And I'm totally, that's and, fine. And, and Lee
0: said the same thing, 100% about getting in early. And, I, and I'll and i give you guys a tangible example of this year. You know, everyone knows I like Richmond and I like the greens. I was buying Richmond greens for $60 to $100 in the first week. Yeah. But very quickly, as more people wanted them, now I've got to pay 150 or 200 or 250 It doesn't mean that I don't like the chase any less, but... As more people are snapping them up and they're getting tucked away in collections, they become more expensive yeah. and more in demand. Oh, absolutely. So whether it's one person that's got two hundred of them, or it's fifty people that have got four, it's all same same. They're just getting taken off the market.
1: Yeah. So no, I, absolutely, I think yeah, we, we have the same sentiment. But it, yeah, it's it it it, uh, it is what it is. And I suppose Mario, the same thing happened with Collingwood a few years ago. And, absolutely. And every look, every I think every club is is feeling the pinch. And I think it's not just because of single people who are doing who are bulking. There are multiple people. Yep. Yeah, and then whether they're collecting all of something or just a particular player or a particular type of card, whatever it is, it's you know, I haven't seen a Jack Steel on the open market for three or four weeks. Yeah, because... No, that, that's a thing. And as I said, I've got 20% of what I have from last year's run. So, Maybe not a Jack Steele. So 98%. Yeah. But I do have 41 of the 40 marquees. <laughs> all right, well, let's move on. And look,
0: thanks to everyone for the questions. And you know, as we're always happy to keep talking about this topic yeah. moving forward, it's um it's something that's evolving, and as we you know, we use the golden word. The marketplace is maturing, things are happening. Yeah, talking about maturing, and that's a great segue, Minx. Um, we were very pleased to be announced officially uh yesterday that yeah. we will be taking part in the hobby hangout in melbourne they ran a successful
1: show up in sydney i believe a couple of months ago yeah was it just before prestige uh i think so yeah that was uh, out of the university they set up out of the yep. university and from all accounts it was a uh, a
0: really great event so so september the 12th which is a sunday at melbourne pavilion which is i think it's an old
1: festival hall on Racecourse Road? No, no, that is not. Melbourne Pavilion is actually where the box, where they have boxing. Ah, oh, yeah, with okay.
0: boxing. So Melbourne the Pavilion. Pavilion actually, obviously, you'll similar, see all the links. Um, yeah, Dale will be there at Cherry. EJ's will be there. MJ's trading cards. Um, all the big players are all going to be there in some sort of fashion. Yeah, we'll obviously be there and wearing a few hats. Um, Minxie will be there on the stand,
1: and we'll be doing a live stream from there for sure. Oh, are we? I think that's going to. All right, they don't know about that yet, but we we're set. All right, going to... we'll we're, be doing a live. We're, stream. we're going to try sneaking the uh, the equipment, aka a mobile phone.
0: Yep, and, and uh, uh, we'll get
1: that happening. But uh, again, it just shows where everything's at.
0: Absolutely, and I think look, there's definitely this is a little bit of, um, and we'll obviously segue this a little bit in a second, where NBA related collecting and the size of the NBA industry is kind of merging across or, you know, I don't know if merging is the, the right word, but there's they're, a crossover. They're converging. 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 Yeah, converging perfect. Yes. And so big shows like this where you've got lots of big NBA players um, in the form of stalls and breaks and sellers with AFL people as well, it just sets it up for a really large event um, Absolutely. It's
1: definitely the type of event if you wanted to get astronomical money for a base rookie year card. Just You, say, you, 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 you could. We'll you could. We're going to talk about that a bit later in the show. Yeah. But, uh, look, but look, it's, AJ it's was really saying, exciting. Yeah, yeah. And to see something at scale all of a sudden moving from just the the little... I suppose, RSLs or Masonic Halls and things like that to scale events like this. Yep. It's a reflection of where things are actually at and how many people are really into cards. Yep. Uh, the people who are organising it, which from memory is a, is a conglomerate of people from within the hobby, more out of the NBA community, yep. in order to put something like this on, and my, you know, a lot of my background is obviously in events as well, is a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of resources. So for them to have the confidence to do it, they would have researched the market and know that it's strong and it exists. So well, again,
0: we've talked about this for months on the show, almost a year. I don't know yeah. how long we've been doing this for now, That be brave. Yeah. If you want to start a breaks page, if you want to start a shop, if you want to do a card show, be brave, give it a crack. They've yeah. obviously run a test run in Sydney. I imagine the Melbourne show will be um, incredibly successful. So look, we'll certainly be there and a uh, form of RGB collectibles, but of course, card authority. We would love to see you all. Obviously, it's always great meeting people and you know jenks might sign a few babies or do whatever he does we'll just, um, and look photos every photo's got a price every photo's got a price all right <laughs> um but it'll be great and i'm sure there's going to be some great things to purchase not only from the yeah. afl level but yeah. also mba and as dale said they'll be there at cherry i know um jules and ej's will be down there yeah. big john o from mj's there's there's going to be a lot of um, of the regular pages and sites. Yeah, that and all lots of, of interstaters you, are
1: setting up. The well, sports well, sports card, card World are coming South out for South Australia. Yep, and, that's know, great. The guys from Jar Jar, so the regional guys. Yeah, there's people from everywhere com- coming down for it. Really good to see. And no doubt off the back of the announcement, which I think picked up a lot of heat, they'll get a lot more interest and a, a lot more will, will be added and announced as well. So so there are tickets. On,
0: t- General public tickets are on sale tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. I think from AusTix.
1: Uh, OZ at TIX. Well,
0: we'll put a. There is a link on Card Authority, but we will also reshare the link again at the end of the show, um, or you can find it on our page. Go and register for the tickets and grab a ticket and come down and see us all. We will be
1: there. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it should be a good. It should be a good, uh, good day. <coughs> all right. So, talking about good days, though, AJ. Oh, there was a big record international sale over the last few Oh, yes, yes. Which and there's some big numbers coming out as well which are viewed in both a, a huge positive but also a real negative light as well. Yeah. Um, and this, it doesn't really relate so much to to certainly the domestic AFL, NRL, local local product market, but it certainly does for the international product market and, Tell us and how that inbounds into Australia. So we'll start it off with the, the big positive is that uh, what was it? The Steph. Is a Steph, Steph Curry? Yeah, yep. Steph, Steph. Curry card sold for five point nine million US dollars. Yep. Which is an astronomical amount, and it's probably is a bit of a uh, a pushback, I suppose, against the big narrative of the of NBA cards really dropping off at the moment. So that's a huge, another huge, huge record sale, and it's picked up a lot of publicity. And as we all know, publicity generates further interest and more people come in. Yep. But to uh, to counterbalance that piece of news. June, the month of June, the biggest ever month of grading in the history of PSA, yep. with a whopping, what is it, 736,000 cards graded. Yep. Now, let's keep in mind that they announced they were going into a pause and not taking submissions. <coughs> Excuse me. So they could use the month of June to catch up yep. because there's currently like a 12 month backlog. So they were certainly catching up a backlog, but uh, 736,000 cards just through PSA. Yep, so you'd you'd have to think it's probably equal that one Beckett as well uh, maybe probably not I'd say probably and Dale might be able to give a better indicator I think PSA is going pretty hard at the moment okay. but I would like to think you know that the, the back be be hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of thousands still yeah, yeah, yeah pro- probably not that amount but it would still be significant and I would think when Beckett comes back from their halt as well yeah. their submission hold, they'll be that means I think you were saying similar. that's 24 and a half thousand cards a day yeah 24 and a half thousand cards a day now <laughs> just to give this a bit of context guys uh, I saw a couple of days ago an infographic, and I don't actually have it here, that was indicating that prior to 2018, most years prior to that for the last 20 years, so between sort of 2000 and 2018, they were grading anywhere between 5,000 and 40,000 cards for an entire year. So let's just take that again in context. More cards just got graded in the month of June at in PSA, than what I believe is the entire previous history of the company. Pretty crazy. It is a crazy, crazy thing to think about. And on one side of the coin, it represents the absolute scale of the demand and interest in trading cards, sports and gaming. This is not just basketball, it's everything. Everything that gets graded card-wise. But it's also scary to think that the market could get flooded with another seven hundred thousand odd slabs from a single freight shipment basically that is a huge volume of cards to all come out at one point in time i suppose it begs the question what percentage of people keep the cards that come back from grading versus who was sending their cards into grade to
0: flip well as we know the 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 nature of NBA and I'll, yeah, I'll get to that and uh, the nature of NBA is obviously a little bit more speculative than AFL. Yeah. So you would think at least half of those are getting somehow flipped or something. But I thought an interesting bit of data I saw was that over 50,000 Jordan cards yeah. were in that batch
1: of 736. Yes. 50,000 Michael Jordan cards. So
0: someone's heard something, they've heard the buzz, they've seen something on TV, they've gone and opened up an old folder. Hey, I might be sitting on a house. I'm going to send the, it in. The
1: reality is that's what it is because people aren't opening packs of prison, pulling Jordans out and getting it. Yep. That is people going through their childhood collections in their parents' garages, attics, spare rooms, whatever it is, all over the world. Plucking those Jordans out, sending them in to get graded, yep. thinking they're getting million-dollar cards back—that yep. is absolutely what's going on. And, and what they, does it mean for the market? I—I I, I don't know. I don't know what's. And what's Dale,
0: going obviously, on. who has a, a really good snapshot of what's going on. With Beckett. <coughs> Beckett are just as far behind in numbers, but they have a lot less graders and staff, etc. So it will take way longer to catch up. Takes twelve is. Twelve-ish months to train a grader fully, so you can't just send someone over to fix the problem straight away. And I think that's certainly been acknowledged. <laughs> that even when PSA did the pause, everyone's like, "We'll just build another office, yeah. Go and get another two hundred graders or whatever." Yeah, you, this is a very specialised field. Yeah, and you know, I've seen a couple of comments earlier. Obviously, CGA in Australia, who and look, we, we've we've talked about CGA a little bit, and I don't really want to get into the debate of what's better or who's worse or all that kind of stuff. But I'm hearing that they're even hitting some delays now because at a $15 or $20 price point, people that just want to get cards slabbed, they can't send them to PSA or Beckett. Yeah. So they're looking at other alternatives. Yeah. And everyone is feeling the backlog. Yeah. There are
1: so many releases and so many cards coming out. Yeah. Everyone is sending it off to so grading. Just going back to what Dale said, and I'm, I'm actually really intrigued by what you think about this and other people as well, Dale. For the guy, people that don't know, Dale Edmonds, who's on the chat at the moment, is from Cherry Collectibles, but also he does all the grading submissions for Beckett and for, for BGS, so he has a lot of insight into it. And, Jail, we certainly appreciate anything that you are able to share. But uh, So I'm feeling like if there's about to be a mega flood of PSA coming to the market... Does that mean because the population of BGS is then becomes much lower compared to PSA, do we see a transition here of BGS 9.5s starting to go back and be worth more than PSA 10s, for example? Do we see the market start to level back out? Because what's really interesting is when I did my submission, I, I got, oh, know, here we no, go. I did a little bit of basketball cards a couple of years oh, ago, and I did my first ever submission. When I did you submission, don't get? worry about that, but when I did my first ever submission, the Beckett 9.5s were worth more than PSA 10s. Beckett was more desirable, yep. BGSs. And then all of a sudden now it feels like PSA 10s are 30% above BGS 9.5s, yep. although they're effectively, most of the 9.5s, in my opinion, are actually graded. They they, they look better or they seem to be more technical in terms of, of how PSA grades, especially with the centering and everything. So yep. do we, are we about to actually see a shift now because it all becomes about population? There's now so many graded cards on the market population is the most critical factor (laughs) i love how like about 15
0: comments have all popped up oh the old black label janky everyone everyone knows the story
1: hey Uh, hey. go on tell the story basically the story is at logan paul's next fight he's going to be wearing the java black label on his necklace bang Uh, a million dollars baby all right
0: so yeah so look obviously it's going to be a really interesting thing and know to tie this in a little bit back with afl which is obviously what a lot of you guys are interested in we've been talking ages and that there is there is most likely going to be a shift at some point where graded cards become more prevalent in australia i definitely don't think we are at that point yet yeah i think Certainly cards going through CGA and getting people used to more cards in slabs could be a good step to that. Yeah, um, You know, there's no secret pebble knife. sent some cards off to PSA. There's lots of people who have sent cards off. If we then go back to what we spoke about about 20 minutes ago about when Select or whoever it is, you know, does more releases, if there's more releases and there's more different cards, does that then open the door for more things like grading? Yeah, because well, because people are like, okay, well, there's 60 greens and 60 purples and 60 minxes and whatever. Well, let's go and try to find what the better ones out of those are. Yeah. So then you're reducing
1: the population. Yeah. And look, as many people know, and as has been discussed before, and obviously we do talk a lot about AFL here because so much of our listener base is, is AFL and we're very ingrained in it. Traditionally, the AFL cards have a much higher volume of numbered cards than what short print American or international yep, cards very do. True. So, in you know Prism or, or any sort of sub brand of MBA, there's only a handful of variations that tend to have numbers. Although there are short print cards, that it's it's known that, that there isn't many of them around. And as a result of that, the grading is more critical when it comes to the unnumbered cards because it. it it defines, I suppose, in my mind, it defines them in a different way. It, it categorizes them as something, I suppose, because they become part of a scarce population uh, that, that differentiates them from everything else yep. um, or, or from the next one. So, to me, although I think grading has the positive benefits in terms of value and upwards, upwards push on value for all types of cards, it's actually the unnumbered cards where I think it becomes more important yep. in, 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 in AFL, in anything, really. I think And, it, it's and like I've that. said
0: this very early on, both on air and also privately too, that I don't see the value in going and getting a dusty showstopper graded because it's already a finite amount of it.
1: Unless you want it slapped because you want the look no, of but it slapped. It's
0: being slapped and being graded, in my opinion, is two different things. Yeah, Getting it slapped is more for presentation graded in my opinion is actually separating it from the other yeah. 40 to say that it is better yeah so for me i've already got a card that's numbered to 40 that's incredibly rare that's expensive even if it comes back at a 9.5 or a 10 i still love my dusty number 33 yeah just as much as i did before it was slabbed yeah whereas you know a dusty common where there is infinite amount of it well if that comes back as a 10 well, suddenly that is a lot better card. Well, well
1: it's a lot rarer because. Rarer. That's the, a better. Word. Yeah, rarer is better. All of a sudden, you've got one of twenty thousand versus one of two hundred and fifty type of situation, and it's again, it's horses for courses and how people see it in terms of value. Yep. And I feel like this, the grading thing, because uh, so two things: grading and this the rookie situation in AFL will be. The well, we'll, big, yeah, we'll, it's we'll, going we'll, yeah, we'll deba- yeah, to that. Yeah, it's yeah, be yeah. the big debating points. Yep. for the next year or two to come, yep. as we see both of those elements of the hobby become more and more prominent due to the, the transition of people in cards as well.
0: Yeah, and, and actually, that's a good question. Is a slab much better than displaying in you know, a one-touch? Again, this is all personal preference. I mean, personally, me, I've got both cards slabbed and also in one-touches. I love my one-touches in a bag. You know, I don't display it, all my cards I mean, Jenks has six million of them, so he can't display them all. <laughs> he needs to put me in one touches in a way based on the container. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it certainly uh, makes a big difference. You know what I mean? Or it's, it's a personal preference on what difference you like. Yeah. Um, yeah, and look, yeah, Pete. Look, I, I, I kind of agree with you, but I don't, I don't want to get into those details for a second. But um, um. Dale, if graded AFL cards take off here and you are ahead of the game, you'll make bulk cash. A lot of people have been sending in with us, taking
1: the risk. At worst, they have a nice protected card, solid risk. And and that seems to be what's going on. And yep. I personally am aware of a multitude of different people who have sent off a significant amount of cards yep. to CGA, to PSA. I had made a statement to AJ earlier today that I thought there was currently... Across all the graders, there was currently several thousand AFL cards being graded as we speak. Yep. Like probably, I think there's around two to 3,000 AFL cards currently across all the graders. When they come back, who knows? But they're definitely, it's happening. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with valuations when they come back. So look, you know,
0: obviously, if you do want to investigate more about getting your cards graded, um, you can certainly reach out to us. But reach out to Dale at Cherry lane pierce does all the psa yeah. stuff as well um look we might be looking at doing it in the future but at the moment those two guys um are definitely the best in the business so reach out to dale or lane and i'm sure they'll be able to guide you through the process and uh dale can kick us back a little bit all right we are we we'll hit
1: you up commission later. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so the commission actually, thanks Come on, dusty guys
0: um <laughs> it, it's a good little, again, nice little segue to talk about the great debate that's been going on this week. Um, what are you... Oh, no, don't worry. Don't worry, i got my props ready. Uh, um, there's been lots of talk in the community about rookie cards, and especially in AFL, and what is a rookie card? Is there a rookie card? And, hang on, what are you doing? Sorry. Oh, shit. So I'm just oh.
1: I was just looking really dark over here, so I'm just going to turn on this extra little light. Oh, my goodness. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Hey, that's better.
0: <laughs> that actually made no difference. <laughs> um, so the card in
1: question, which I'm going to put up yeah. on the screen. Oh, look at that. You are a technical wizard. Wow. Wow. Be, I didn't uh, know you were going to be able to pull this off
0: tonight. And, and because you've got your nice little light on, um, I'll leave you on the big screen. Thanks, mate. So this is a Dustin Martin 2010 Prestige base card. Now, Series 2 base card. Series 2 base card. Now, this has been labelled on eBay by a few people as a rookie card. And um, look, you know, I, and we've said this many, many times, um, everyone needs to do research as a seller or a buyer. We've certainly commented a few times on the show and also privately that there's probably some people taking advantage on eBay about talking about how rare and how uh, important this card is. And as much as it's a beautiful card and he is the greatest player of all time and um, obviously, you know, history will say that he is an amazing player, but we could be talking about Gary Ablett here or Wayne Carey or whatever. It's, all, it's sort of all – it all fits in the same mould. But this card on screen has been selling for anywhere between 50 and and $100. Yeah. Um, this is a common card. If you buy a box of 2010 Prestige – you will probably get one or two of these in every box. Yeah. Um, the debate has been roaring this week saying that this is actually
1: Dusty's rookie card. So cause and effect is what's going on here. Cause and effect. Yep. I just want to throw a little disclaimer as well. Uh, this whole conversation on what we talk about here is our opinion. Yep. If something's ever based on data or fully factual, we'll, we'll always say that it is. Yep. So what we're doing here is we're giving our opinions and we are very conscious that there are lots of different opinions about this sure. at the moment, but we're both, I think, very, we have strong opinions about everything to do with cards, do inc- we- including, uh, including this topic. And cause and effect is what's in play here. Why does someone have the intent to label it as a rare first edition, rookie card, whatever they want to do. And, and and we need to look at why that's happening to understand then the sales going through and why it will continue to happen. And the reason it's happening, in my opinion, is because we are seeing a huge transition of people who collect other types of cards where the rookies are the really big chase and are really important. Yep. And they're coming into AFL and they don't know what they're seeing first up. And as a result of that, What's being advertised, marketed, promoted, whatever you want to call it, to them first up, they buy it or they, they are interested in it. And as we know and as we talk about with benchmarking, once something sells for the first time, it creates a reference and that reference exists forever. So once something happens, the next person that may not be as informed comes along as well and they do the same thing and all of a sudden they've reinforced it and they've created a market. So I suppose the question is, are we going to see a market created out of this because of what's going on at the moment? And if we do, is it then just a short-term little bubble market around this stuff until people actually realise en masse what's happening? I don't like the idea of cards being mislabeled, but I'm also a big believer that it is every individual member of society's responsibility to understand what they're getting themselves into as well.
0: Yeah, and look, this is certainly not, um, we're not having a go at anyone. This is more an educational piece and something we've been talking about for a while. So I guess getting back to this card, for example, I asked, um, you know, I hit you up today over lunch, trying to get a little bit of clarity about what the NBA situation is. And I asked, is every card for someone who is in their rookie year classed as a rookie card across all releases? And you said to me, It's effectively a base card that has rookie RC stamped in it. And that's a rookie card. Let's use Zion,
1: for example. And there's variations of that that will continue to have the RC. But there's
0: also inserts that don't have it. Yeah,
1: there may be inserts that don't have it as well. And beyond those initial releases. So effectively, by definition, in the NBA, in modern NBA cards, and I believe it's been happening for the last 20 or so years when they introduced the little RC logo to the cards, yep, that's what defines it as a rookie card. And it's all good and proper for someone to say, oh, well, what about Jordan rookies and all these ones from the 70s, they didn't have it, the 70s they? and 80s and stuff like that? Well, they didn't have it back then. So it's defined in a different way. And that's why, you know, the, the grading aspect of the Jordans and the scarcity of the Jordans and all that sort of stuff. But it's a different situation. My, my personal opinion is once there was an introduction of defined rookie, it rules out the notion of any base card being declared as a rookie card. And now it's more of the thing in, in international product, NBA, NFL and stuff is, well, what is the true rookie card? Is yep. it the first release for the year? Is it the 30th release or, or, you know, what is it? So Yeah, so that then brings the
0: question on. So after we, you know, I got a little bit more information and I kind of knew the answer to this to myself. I'm like, okay, let's go and see if we can actually identify what the rookie card may be for Dusty. So this card, the D- Justin Martin draft rookie card, and thank you very much Card Zone, for supplying this picture to us. This was the first card in a mainstream release that actually says draft rookie on it. Yeah. And this card was released before the common, which was a series two release. So if we're looking for a rookie card in the example for Dustin Martin, the card on the right-hand side there, his draft rookie card is his rookie card. That's my opinion too. But something that I got into a conversation with the other day and I notice minks now on screen with our chips, um, that there's a big difference between a rookie season and a rookie card. We are not the same as the NBA. There's not the same pre- or us sport. Should I say There's not the same um, preference on that sort of stuff. Dusty released the card on the right, the draft rookie card. There is then the common card. And then there is his DPS, which is a draft pick
1: signature. Which is the equivalent of a U.S. rookie signature card. Correct. So the same way Zion would have a rookie card, a prism rookie, and then a silver rookie prism, there is a rookie signature and there's variations of that as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And people have also mentioned um, about Future Force cards. And the analogy that we came to today, Future Force is like, the college, yeah, the releases. Co- yeah, the
1: college jet releases. So, um, Matty Anderson put a funny comment on on a bit of a troll post that I had put up on on with a fun post yesterday, yep. and said, "Well, technically, I put up a Max King thing," and he said, "Well, technically, the 2017 Future Force Max King." And my response to it was, "Well, no, that would be like the college jet version of a Zion rookie card, yep. where he's not wearing he's he's not drafted to the team, he's yep. not in the team uniform, and as a result of that." the people don't view that as the rookie is actual you know, team rookie card sort of thing. And yeah, on on what you're talking about, I absolutely agree. The Dustin Martin rookie card that is on screen right now, that is the true Dustin Martin rookie card. It is a defined rookie card. It also happens to be a short print insert. It's a two-in-one spectacular. The other card on the other side is a mass-produced based card that does not represent his rookie.
0: And let me just say, all right, as much as in my opinion i've identified this as the rookie card you know this is going to be open to debate across lots of people we don't have rookie cards in afl afl is a is a unique sport we've
1: got series two rookie cards they're called rookie cards but they operate in a different way aren't they more
0: draft pick cards No, they're
1: rookie cards they're still and they've got they actually have the rc
0: so what were the cards called in dominance last year
1: rookie cards were they? Yeah, they're all rookies. So and that's my, my my and that's my position is that AFL cards now and all the oh, way right. back first to first time to, I've been wrong in all, history. all the way back I'm to wrong. 2010, 2011, whenever this Dusty Prestige is from. Yep. The reality is series two every year either has a draft card or a rookie card and a draft pick signature or a rookie signature or whatever it is. They are the rookie cards. I uh, I'm I'm sorry, like I'm strong of the opinion. That other Dustin Martin is not a rookie card. Someone changed my mind.
0: Yeah, and look, you know, we can certainly have many debates about this, but um, in my opinion, the card on the right that says draft rookie is Dustin Martin's first card. It's his rookie card. The card on the left-hand side is his first
1: base common card. And uh, Danny, no, I'm saying the opposite. The color, the colored, the collar jet cards are actually worth less. And I know this from experience because I once went in a break. I didn't know what I was buying into. It looked sick. They said there was going to be diamonds inserted in some of the cards. I hit the absolute nut card of the whole briefcase thing. Mixer, you'll know what it was. I hit the nut card of the briefcase. It had a diamond in it. I'm like, yeah, this is the shit. It's a signature with a diamond, all this sort of stuff. And unfortunately, people that PC'd the player were just like, that's nah, the college version, We're not not too careful.
0: Yeah, and look, Dale just made a really good point here. And, and, and again, as we said at the start of this conversation, this is just certainly our opinions. Um, nobody is the boss of what a rookie right. is or not. Whether it's the first card or every card from the first year, the market will decide that. And Dale, I 100% agree with that. And as I said, I think this is a debate that has no correct or incorrect answer i think more the purpose of this is just trying to show to people that um there needs to be a little bit of clarity with it because there are some people that are certainly taking advantage of applying a term that really before three months ago has never really been used in afl yeah and the only reason they're applying that term is to try to catch the cross-pollination from the nba community <laughs> absolutely so you know again there's no right or wrong i just want to make sure that
1: people are informed
0: informed a little bit just to see that there's no official
1: rookie card yeah but in my opinion it's the card on the right and i in this situation and the great debate that's raging about dusty i absolutely agree and i would say that anyone who is looking at buying one of those $50 ones on eBay or whatever, yep. just go buy the full base set for $40 instead yep. and take the dusty one out and go and donate the rest of the cards to your local yep. school or whatever. And, and look,
0: maybe this is something that Select will look at in the future. As we sure can... what Gribbs says. Oh, right. sorry, great I great say. comment by
1: grips. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, let me get rid of this. Um, Not
0: we'll... get rid
1: of you, gripsy. We'll get rid of the images no, off bad. the screen.
0: Um, simple fix. Select put RC on all their all there, the players' first series of cards, rookie card, DPS, common, green, etc. I mean, absolutely, but also it doesn't mean that we necessarily have to go down the same path as what U.S. sports are. Yeah. Why do we need to stamp them with rookie cards?
1: Oh, well, and that's the thing, I suppose... If, if we you, have a rookie if, card if you in you Series 2... If you actually have a subset, which is rookies, which we do in Series 2, yep. does stamping the cards actually then take away... From that's a great really- point you know take away from from yeah uh, I don't even know what what to call it I, I don't know the importance of yep. the actual rookie subset as well but yeah it's we are seeing the rise of rookies dpss at the moment and it's all based on speculation. Yep. The speculative aspect of trading cards comes from the US sports market as the hobby in Australia grows and the different genres of cards cross-pollinate to, to use your term. We will see it happen more and more. There is no right or wrong as to how someone collects. There's no right or wrong as to how someone buys cards. Yep. I think there's ethical issues with people who take advantage knowingly of others by in, in the way they do things. And I think people need to educate themselves, and it's the responsibility of every person, and to educate each other and help each other out and make sure they know what they're looking
0: at. Yeah, and Wade made a good point here, kind of sort of similar to what I said. We don't call drafted players rookies. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a term that is um, adopted as strongly yeah. in a, a US or sorry in Australian sports versus international sports oh, and I, US sports. I know when I refer to something
1: from last year, I call it the draft class, not the rookie class. Yeah, when we, it comes to AFL, yeah, there's a draft combine, not a rookie combine.
0: But look, this is certainly something that um you know is a debate that we can it's certainly. It's a hot topic and everyone's sort of, you know, got great opinions about it. And, you know, as we said at the start and as what Dale said too, there is no right or wrong answer here. Um, Oh, what am I doing here? Um, So, you know, certainly let's keep this debate going. I'll put a post up tomorrow on Card Authority and everyone can give their opinion about it as well. But, you know, I think one thing just to close out on this, is there an opportunity in the marketplace now where you've got certain players, whether it's, Dusty, Ablett, Pendlebury, Wayne Carey, Tony Lockett, whatever, that their first series cards now suddenly become more valuable if they're graded or they're in good condition or whatever they might be than perhaps they were six or 12 months ago. Because the market is maturing and people are looking to find value and more collectible things and all that kind of stuff, is this going to create a new subset or a new type of collecting where people are going to go back and look at first series releases or first year releases place. And, and, and
1: it's a really interesting one because obviously as we go back further in time and we go back to the, that era where cards didn't have a perceived big secondary market value necessarily they were they were you know created in huge quantity and they were distributed and dispersed in huge quantity a lot got destroyed and they weren't taken care of as a collectible item, I suppose, by by many people. Yep. So yeah, it, it's I beg it, it, it's like it's like the 1980s Fleer cards and stuff like that that don't necessarily define them as with the RC. Yep. And, and does it happen? I, I don't know. I haven't actually probably thought about it enough to really form a position on it, but it's a very it's an interesting proposition. I, I can just see how the market matures more and people, you know, for me as a
0: dusty collector, look, you know grant probably not a good example because i like, got everything was dusty but if you're liking dusty cards now why wouldn't you go back and try to get some of his earlier stuff yeah that is more rare and more special and yeah. there's not so much of it sure you know it's all about finding things to chase and different ways of collecting which we've talked about many many times yeah so i think look it's a strong debate and thank you everyone look i haven't got to everyone's questions there but i hope we've got sort of opened up people's thoughts about it enough um Again, we're not saying we're right or wrong, um, but it's a great debate. And, again, people just, if you're new to the hobby, just do some research and have a look because, yeah, it's its certainly, in my opinion, it's crazy that people are paying that sort of money for a common card because that's what it is. It's a common and, card.
1: And it's a common card that's not scarce. There's a huge yeah, amount there's, of them. there's. there's oh, I've got a pile of them. Like if this, it was yeah. a short print card, totally different story, but its yeah. it's just not. It's not. And calling it that a rare card. It's 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 not. That's yeah. It's not. It's just not. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, let's uh, let's
0: get to everyone's favourite part of the show, which is unicorn hunting. Um, we've had a couple of quiet weeks in the stable. Just uh, obviously got a few things on, but we've got a ripper for you today. And I did say that we were going to open up unicorn submissions for prestige 2021 last week and thank you for everyone that's been sending them in if there are any cards for prestige you are looking for make sure you jump on the cardauthority.com.au website and submit a unicorn likewise we have our unicorns we're still chasing so if you've got any of those cards have a look at the gallery and let us know but this week we are looking for a clearance king of liam shield's the 001, the
1: 001 card. We are looking for the 001. As far as anyone knows, research has been done. It has not surfaced we yet. We haven't seen it. Unless someone's yep. got it stashed away and isn't telling anyone. So if you are that person or you know that person, let us know, and we'd love to try and help broker a deal. That's right. And look,
0: obviously, as we've always said, the new people to the show realize unicorn Honey is not about taking cards out of PCs. If you're a low Hawthorne collector and you have it in your, your collection, that's fine. Um, let us know shoot, as well. shoot us a message and let us know that it's nice and safe and sound. We've had a couple of cards like that fall in the last couple of weeks where unicorns have been identified as I mean, unattainable. unattainable. Yeah. But if you have that card and someone is looking, you know, you're looking to move it, the, the hunter is certainly willing to broker a trade or we can certainly help with that. We're not paying. We're not paying. Um, but we're always happy to try to facilitate a trade to land the Liam Shields 001 Clearance King to the hunter that is looking for that card. Absolutely. But again, if you've got a hunt card you'd like to look at and weigh, don't don't spam, don't spam the comments. All right. Go to CardAuthority.com.au. Post your unicorn hunting request, and if it's lucky enough to be put on the show, uh, we will certainly help you track it down. Jenks, it's been a big show it's been as a big always. Show.
1: We we did have a bit more to talk about it. We have run out of time tonight. Yeah, we're trying. we trying. This is a new Next, next yeah. week's going to be huge again. So and, yeah. and we will definitely introduce the what's my card worth a segment next week. Oh, <laughs> I did forget about that. Yeah. So yeah. make sure you look right. out for that next week. There is a new segment. It will be a short one every week. We will identify yeah. something. What's my card worth
0: a? A. Hey. And there is a page there, so you can go and find that group if you like. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about it. Sorry, I did forget about that. I know that's your pride and joy, James. Forgiven, mate. Forgiven. Well, uh, but look, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you for everyone's contribution. As always, you can catch our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and of course
1: on the website carauthority.com.au.
0: Janks, amazing
1: as always, mate. You're the man, AJ. You are the man, and everyone out there, as AJ said, feel free to hit us up. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us within the various communities. Yep. Always approachable. Maybe don't have as much time as we would like at the moment, but feel, we're free, feel free to hit us around. up and, uh, and yeah, we look forward to next week's episode and we're going to try and bring these back a bit more frequently whilst we we've got time over the next few weeks yep. before the next big releases come. Yeah,
0: which, uh, yeah, still we don't have any information, but imagine that'll be in the next, well, month or so. But anyway, thank you, Jags. Thanks, Minx. Thanks to all you guys, the viewers. Appreciate all the messages, the private ones I've been getting as well on my computer. You guys have a great night. Stay safe. And until next time, we will catch you later. Ciao.